Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We hit the field light! All daylight! All night light! Here we go! Here we go! Ah! Keep it all! Keep it all! Keep it all! This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast with James Rapine and Daryl Ryder on 923thefan.com. What up and welcome into another edition of the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. We are your beat writers with 923thefan, 923thefan.com. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Rapine. It's great to be back for another podcast. Plenty to talk about with last night's 23-3 Browns victory over the New York football Jets. We will get to that for the majority of the podcast. We'll talk about the tribe who are still clinging to American League wildcard hopes as well. A quick reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast, have it delivered to any device you want on Stitcher, the radio.com app, iTunes, Google Play, and be sure to leave us a five-star review so more Cleveland sports fans can find this podcast Let's start with the Browns, Daryl, and you've done a, a great job. There's a ton on the Browns on our website at 923thefan.com. They get the victory. Some people not as excited as others. To me, it was a must-win game. We sat in this very room last week, said it was a must-win game, and I don't care how bad they looked, if they looked like a high school football team, if they looked like a one A team in the Jets, especially when Trevor Simeon went down. It doesn't matter. They got the victory. That's where we'll start. I think that that's a, uh, a good place to be if you're the Browns. You needed to get the one and one, and they did just that. A win is a win. That's what that was last night. They went to New York. They handled business. It was pretty sloppy. Uh, if they play like that against their next five opponents, I don't know that they win a single game, but they handled their business in New York. Um, they're still clearly sorting through some stuff on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know what's going on with Baker Mayfield and some of the accuracy issues that he's going through right now. Uh, you know, if you want to make the argument, maybe they should have spe- played in the preseason together more or whatever. But bottom line, they went, they handled their business, they got in, got out, and now it's on to the Rams. Have you seen Remember the Titans? A few times. Okay. So, and I'm sure most of you listening have seen Remember the Titans. There's a part where they win 13 to 10 or something like that early in the season. It's a real close game. And, and I forget who... I think it's the running back, but I forget exactly who it is. And he, he turns to one of his teammates and he says, if we play like this against Groveton, we're going down. We don't have any heart out there this week. Uh, yeah, well, it's gut check time now. Now it's time you get the win on the road against inferior competition. You only allow three points. The defense looked really good and really, you could argue, should have had a shutout. There's some penalties and things we'll discuss. As far as the offense is concerned, it does take time, especially with no preseason. And here's the other thing. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, uh, Damian Ratley, and, you know, they were playing without Rashard Higgins yesterday, and Baker Mayfield, they haven't played together. You lose David Njoku. Like, th- there's just there's a lot of movement. Obviously, the offensive line's still in flux, too. So I kind of expect this. I wasn't expecting them to average 40 points right away and be the Chiefs' offense right away. They have that potential to be extremely explosive, it's going to take some time, and I think a win like that last night, they know that. Like afterwards, 
listening to Baker and Freddie Kitchens. It's not like they were ecstatic. It's not like they're popping bottles like, yeah, we won. It wasn't like beating the Jets last year. It it almost felt kind of somber, and it's because I think they know they have a lot to work on. Yeah, and that's exactly how they felt after the game. I think, you know, as Freddie Kitchens said, you'd rather work on stuff coming off a win than a loss. And so they're kind of, in that regard, a, a step ahead of the game. Offensively, they only sustained two drives, James. The opening drive, 11 plays. The final drive of the game, I think, went nine plays. That was it. Everything else, uh, they had like six drives where they got six plays, they were off the field. And the rest of them were less than six plays. That is what bothered me most, is they didn't have any consistency with sustaining drives. They didn't have any type of an offensive rhythm. Thank God for Odell Beckham Jr. Mm -hmm. The one-handed catch, the 89-yard catch and burn Greg Williams toast. Like Those were your highlights. I'll give Nick Chubb some love. 19-yard touchdown run. I, I got to give him some love for that. But outside of those three plays, that offense last night was really, really painful to watch. In the, it, it really was. And you could tell the, the, they were trying to minimize uh, the pressure that Greg Williams was going to be able to throw at them, uh, especially on the right side of the offensive line. Chris Hubbard like had a, t- uh, 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 had a tight end glued to his hip the entire night. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, you know, you saw Greg kind of trying to disguise and confuse Baker a little bit. He'd show him one coverage pre-snap, go into a different coverage once the ball was snapped. I think that that might have messed with Baker a little bit. But let's not forget, this was his fifth, 15th start. Mm-hmm. My math is right. Six, no, 16th. I, I believe it was 16th. Well, no, he started 13 games last year plus two equals 15. Okay. Well, he, it was 13 he, last year. Uh, the Jets started, game, started right, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. 16th game, if you want to count the Jets, but that tech uh, from he, last year. But he didn't Thursday, start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That doesn't count as a start. And Tyrod Taylor actually got credit for the win <laughs> in that game. Because he really well deserved for Taylor. Yes, but that's the way NFL statistics work. Just like in baseball, they have those screwy statistics when it comes to wins. Closer comes in, blows the game tie game or gives up the lead, walks off the mouth, the home team gets the walk-off victory, guess who gets the guess who gets the W? Yep. The closer who almost blew the game. So um, so it, it is just his 15th start. And there's going to be growing pains. And I think Pat Mahomes is like the exception to the rule because I know people listen right now and say, well, Daryl, Pat Mahomes is lighting it up in Kansas City. There's no growing pains there. You're right. I mean, I, I think Pat Mahomes, though, is the exception to the rule. Absolutely he is. He's different. Like, that, that Chiefs offense is insane, right? It, they're just yeah. they're ridiculous. And uh, they have a better offensive line, by the way. And they have... That, by the it, way, it, also, it, you know it, what, hang on, it includes two former Cleveland Browns. Continue. And you know what else they have? A better offensive play caller. But Andy Reid is much more established and just on right. that level. Sorry, he just is. Maybe Freddie Kitchens gets there one day. He should aspire to be that. He's not there yet. So it's same with Baker and, and Pat Mahomes. Um, but, but, yeah, I was, I'm with you on Odell. And I think it was good, especially in his return to New York. And I know it's same stadium, not same team. But it was good for him to get off a couple huge plays, big gains, get his confidence up. Because if – it, let's say they win 13 to 3 yesterday against that team. Ugh. And he doesn't have big plays. He doesn't have that one-handed grab. He 
He doesn't have the, the catch and run of 89 yards, setting a career high. Some doubt might creep in, just a little. Instead, he was clearly the best player on the field. He changed the game. He made his imprint on the game. And that's why you go get him. Because yep. at a moment's notice on your 11-yard line when your offense is struggling, a quick just slant, a quick, all right, hey, take this and run. He can do that. And it was a game changer, and I'll also say it helped me win my fantasy matchup. So I was extremely excited. <laughs> extremely excited. Now we know why, now we know why James Odell is Beckham all Jr. over the smoochy smoochies with I, Odell Beckham I'm Jr. I'm just saying. But, but out, you're right. Outside of those plays, the offense looked dreadful. And I get why people are worried. Um, I do think it is refreshing that we're at this point where the Browns can win 23-3, to and it's like, what the hell is going on? 23 to 3. What's going on? What's wrong with this offense? Well, because they should have won 46 to 3. That's sure. Why. No, and you're right. And that's so the standard is different. So I that's but I, how but see here's the thing. This is how far we've come. It's similar and we we've gone back and forth with the Indians on this. Like my standard for the Indians is win the damn World Series. Like that's just my standard now because they're they they elevated their franchise under Terry Francona. Mhm. So my standard for the Browns now ha- has raised. It's, not, it's no longer happy to get the win and get out of there. It's how you win and how well you play or don't play in the win. Now, the good news is that the Browns were able to play a less-than-clean game, especially on the offensive side, and they still won by 20 points. Granted, the Jets were on their third quarterback. Um, they were without C.J. Mosley in the middle of that defense, which was, you saw it last night, a big loss mm-hmm. for New York. Uh, but they still won by 20 points. It's a three-score victory. And we're, we can sit here and complain that they, A, only won by 20, B, the offense lacked rhythm, lacked consistency, lacked flow, lacked some creativity at times. Um, and yet we're not really crediting the defense with much of anything. And I don't know if that's just because, uh, you know, the defense got off the field twice on fourth down. I mean, OBJ's touchdown came right after a defensive stop. It was, um, it was a what was it sixteen to three at that point, mm-hmm. and had the Jets gone in and scored, you're talking sixteen ten one score game, and all of a sudden, Browns start puckering up a little bit. Sure, okay, so that that stop that they got defensively on fourth down that preceded Odell's eighty nine yard touchdown that was a huge huge play in that game last night. It ends it Max- because it sets. Right. Sets up the game for Odell, and he knocked it out of the park, and it's over. Right. You know, and, and it puts the game on ice. But you're right, and and that's the thing is, good teams when they're a tick off, find a way to win when they're still figuring out offense, when they're still figuring out. Like Baker threw it over Odell Beckham Jr.'s head uh, in the first half. Which, by the way, Odell got twisted, turned, held, Agreed. tackled, no flag. It was not a great ball though by Baker. No, just, it wasn't. He sailed it. Yeah, but but you're right. It should have been a penalty, no doubt about it. Those are the things that he's going to hit, right? That's they're just a tick off, and in football, it can look really, really, really bad if you're just a tick off. Yep, like, awful. Like well, it, but because, it just, if you're a tick off, it's a pick. Yeah, correct. You know, and it's just 
it, that's the thing. It's not just Baker, because he is off. He's not what we saw at the end of last year. But, but listen, let's give Baker credit on the dime he threw the, the, the one-handed catch for Odell. He put that ball where only Odell was going to catch no it. Doubt. So while we're dissecting, uh, and again, I'm not arguing with you, Baker was off. He was off week one in Tennessee. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's the wrist. I don't know if it's because they didn't get the preseason reps with these guys. Because practice speed versus game speed, two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how much you try and simulate that in practice, which obviously we know that uh, Freddie Kitchens tried to do, it's just it's different. But Baker's going to have to get that figured out and get it figured out rather quickly. Because Aaron Donald and the Rams of Los Angeles are going to be rolling into town. Mm-hmm. And what Miles Garrett did last night to the Jets, I'm really worried that Aaron Donald is going to be doing that to Baker Mayfield Sunday night. Certainly could. And that's why those quick slants, quick hits are so valuable. Let me and, ask you and, this. And those are the things that that offense, that, and, and I am kind of bummed that they didn't get Nick Chubb. We sat here last week and it was like, Nick Chubb, 100 plus, I want him to dominate the game. And there was just no chance of that yesterday. I, you know, that's, that's the one thing I think the Jets defense did relatively well is, is uh, I don't want to say eliminate Chubb, but pre- prevent him from having a big game. They contained him. Mm-hmm. They contained him. Let me ask you this. Do you think, because I, I, I felt this after the Titans game, do you think that Baker's looking to make the big play too much early? See, I didn't see that yesterday. I didn't either. I'm just, I'm just curious. Yeah, if, if, like, like, like I, I get why people said that against Tennessee, and especially in that fourth quarter when they were just playing catch-up. I understood while Baker was trying to get greedy. You, you have to. <laughs> but, no, yesterday it didn't. And, and, heck, we have the game on in here. He just gets a ball batted. and So, so there, there's a little bit of that. But, like, the, the target I was talking about with Odell wasn't far downfield. It was right. for a first down. You know, like, a, a lot of the stuff – there weren't really opportunities. It, it for was big a quick plays. seam route. It was like a twelve-yard seam route that uh, Damian uh, Ratley is yeah. the, the guy who had the big two bigger catches, you know, outside of the Beckham one-hander. And, that, I mean, through the air catches. Yeah, and and then just what Odell caught it, and he just outran everybody. So um, it's it's not like Baker uncorked a, a fifty-yard throw down the field. I mean, it was a twelve to fifteen-yard seam route that Odell turned into an eighty-nine-yard touchdown. By the way, uh, Greg Williams, Odell is one of the most prolific players in the National Football League. Yeah, he's an idiot. You know what it was, though? That was Greg being a dick to be a dick. Yep. That's exactly what that was. Sure. You know, but, but that's Odell so- trashed him the day before. So Greg being who he is, Mr. Tough Guy, he, he, that, that, that's all it was. Like, I'm sure Greg Williams felt that Odell is one, but he's not going to give Odell the satisfaction or the respect. The Jets come out just traded for it. Demarius Thomas. Of course they would love Odell Beckham Jr. on their football team. Yeah. Like that, that was one of the first things I said, and I didn't tweet it out. It was one of the first things I thought. And that's just Greg I, being Greg. Honestly, I was surprised that the Jets weren't more physical. I honestly, I was surprised because, and they were grabbing him early and they were, they showed it multiple times. There could have been multiple flags. They called one hold that I remember. But they could have called a ton. Um, but I, I was surprised that, that he wasn't getting hit and popped and pulled and grabbed every single play. And not just him. You know, the, the entire Browns offense. And it felt like early on they kind of got past that. 
And the other thing is, you're the Jets, and, and there was a point of no return where you just knew that they were going to lose. Yeah. I, I mean, part of it in the fourth quarter when the Browns were up 23-3 to and they're just, you know, trying to run this thing out and get the hell out of there. Part of me was like, um, can we get Gilbert in there now? Can we just get Baker off the field? Like, business, you know, I know there's stuff to work, but just get him out of there because I don't want anything to happen. And to me, I think it... But that, I, I think speaks, it's, to, that speaks to Greg, though. The fact that he has that... Like, the fact that that thought even entered my mind is why... Greg Williams has the reputation he has, and he will never live it down. And mm-hmm. I don't think he will ever be an NFL head coach. The fact that I'm thinking that one of his players is going to do something that's borderline shady, shady, uh, on the line, toe the line, maybe yeah. cross the line a little bit. The and fact jump that back. that thought entered my mind tells you all you need to know about Greg Williams. Sure, in. in we all thought you'd that love last him week. if he. We we loved him for two years when he was with the Browns, okay. But now that he was on the other sideline, not a fan. I think he's a little overrated. I do too. You know what? You know, I, I said. Think he's a little I said. Overrated. Greg, you know who Greg reminds me of? Hmm. The Ryan brothers. Yeah, yeah. Where they're like old school, physical, we defensive mind. We had Rob here. Sure. And it was, and he was Eric Mangini's defensive coordinator. And it was the most entertaining because Mangini's press conferences were are as were as bad as Bill Belichick's. Okay, mm-hmm. but that team was extremely disciplined. And I've said this: had Mangini been willing to subject, like if Mangini was willing to subjugate his ego for a GM like John Dorsey, like if Eric Mangini was the Cleveland Browns coach right now, it'd be a good fit. Th- this, this team would win a Super Bowl. Because he's that he Mangini's that good of a coach. Wow! Okay. How about that for a take? I'm just to take. It's considered a take. Keep going there. Well, when you're bringing in Kaluka Mayava and David Vacune <laughs> and all these guys that like, it's fine. You got smart players, but can they play the freaking game, Eric? That that was that was Eric's big problem here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was a very disciplined team. They just weren't very good. They just didn't have good players. Okay, uh, he was too busy focused on picking paint colors and why? And why the heck didn't you recommend Eric Mangini six eight months ago? Uh, been there, done that. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> These aren't the Cavs. We, we're not hiring Mike Brown to come back. Yeah, I'm with you. It, look, it, you know, uh, but my, my my whole point is is that um, this team needs to exercise discipline. And its leaders need to exercise that discipline. Looking at you, 95, I know that the, the roughing calls sometimes are a little BS, but that's on you to know that stuff. His two roughing calls last night. I don't think either one was BS, by the way. I think they were both late. I think they both warranted a flag, and I think that if it happened to Baker Mayfield, everyone would be yelling that he deserves a flag. It was, ridic- it was dumb by him. He got a two-for-one on one play. It was a third-and-nine uh, from the Jets' own 10, he was called for offsides, which was negated because he also had the roughing the passer penalty, and they elected to take that one. And his second roughing the, call, uh, roughing the passer call came on a third and 16 that gave the Jets a first down. You just you have to, you have to be smarter. Now, love Garrett. I'm, I'm not ripping on him, Miles. Just, these are just little things. Again, you won by 20. We're picking. We're nitpicking. A 20-point win, but these are things that elevate you. 
Sure. If Odell Beckham Jr. had two big plays and they were called back or at least uh, taken back a little bit because he had face masks when he's going to, to stiff arm a guy and right. he's grabbing their face mask and throwing them down, we'd be like, all right, Odell, don't grab the face mask. Instead of a 60-yard play, that's only a 40-yard play because we lost 15 yards. Like, yep. Same thing with Miles. We know he's great. And hell, he's looked dominant the past two weeks. Five sacks in two games. That is a great start. That's the type of defensive player of the year type of numbers. But you know what you can't do? Have the roughing the passer calls. Because against the Rams... And not only have the roughing the passer calls... Against the Rams, that's a touchdown. But have them you do on that third on the drive, and longs. They're going to go score. You, you get off the field against the Rams, that's a blessing. And if you don't... Or if you give them an extra down, Cooper Cup's going to be open. Or Brandon Cooks is going to burn Denzel Ward. Or the tight end's going to be open. Or Todd Gurley's going to find a way to leak out of the backfield and make a big play. Or I, and I could go on and on and on because that's what they have as playmakers. So you cannot do that in games that matter. And uh, he knows that, right? He's going to learn that. Um, but you're right. The discipline factor. The penalties were better yesterday. Not where they need to be to win against the Rams at First Energy Stadium on Sunday. They're not. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to clean those up. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Rapine. This is the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Up next, let's continue the Browns conversation. We will continue that, and we'll talk a little um, about a star player who has demanded a trade and if the Browns should be interested. Plus, we'll talk a little tribe as well. That's next on the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Cleveland Sports Beat Podcast. I'm James Erpine. He is Daryl Ryder. We are your beat writers for 92.3 The Fan and 923thefan.com. A quick reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at RyderWrongFan, at James Erpine. Make sure you do that and subscribe to the podcast that we'll do each and every week during this football season. All right, let's, uh, let's continue the Browns conversation. A win is a win is a win. Um, one thing that we have to talk about, the AFC North dramatically changed yesterday. Yes, it did. Um, and, and while the Ravens have looked great the first two weeks, uh, their opponents, you can question that. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, I believe in him. You don't. We'll see what happens there. It's not one, one time. Well, you don't. I do. It's not that I don't believe in Lamar Jackson. Here we go. Backpedaling. He's, he's backpedaling like a defensive I am, back. I am not backpedaling at all. Backpedal, backpedal. He backpedal, is backpedal. off to a phenomenal start. Backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. Anyways. Baker v. Lamar is going to be very th- fun to this watch. This isn't even a Lamar topic, which is even better. Um, it, it is. It is. It, it sucks in a way because I never root for injuries. Ben Roethlisberger, 
elbow injury going to sideline him for the rest of the year. Doesn't need Tommy John surgery, but needs elbow surgery. So it, he's going to come back. They plan on uh, bringing him back. So what they did is uh, they put him on yeah. IR and they trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, a first-round pick. I actually like the trade a lot, but it also says that they like Mason Rudolph. So he- here's what I'll say. I wouldn't count out Pittsburgh. I don't think they're going to win the division, and right now I have them third in the AFC North after the Ben Roethlisberger injury. But maybe Mason Rudolph's better than we think. So let's not just laugh at the idea that the Steelers can beat the Browns this year at one point or another in one of those games. But uh, obviously a huge loss, and it changes the di- it changes the dynamic in the AFC North. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ben is the the franchise now. You know, we'll we'll see what they're able to do going forward with uh, Mason Rudolph, but they clearly believe in him because that and I tweeted this uh, after the trade was made. That is a that is a we have not given up on our season type of trade. When you give up your first round pick the following year to bring it to bring in defensive help, I mean that that is a we're still in this thing. Mm-hmm. And Rudolph looked pretty good Sunday. Yeah, and. and- Honestly, I'm, obviously I covered the Bengals. The Bengals are really high on Mason Rudolph in that draft. The Steelers traded ahead, up to get him ahead of the Bengals. The Bengals had two picks. Smart move. So, who Which knows? Which the Steelers that, usually do that, in the that, draft. Exactly, and that might, that might pay off. Um, it's interesting, and I love the Minka Fitzpatrick. I love him as a player. Love him, love him, love him. And if you're the Steelers, let's say you go 8-8. Eight and eight. Not 10-6, and six, not playoffs. Everyone's saying top 10 picks. The Steelers don't really have a top 10 pick. They usually find a way to get to seven and nine. Let's say they go seven and nine, right? And they're right where the Browns were last year in that range, you know, 15 to right. 17. Minka Fitzpatrick with a 15th pick. You, you know what you're getting with him. You don't know what the hell you're getting with the 15th overall pick. So to me, no brainer makes sense. Now, it could crash and burn if they end up with a top five pick and they end up being awful. I just don't think they're going to be awful. The Steelers are very rarely awful, they have a culture. It's almost like the Indians these days. Like the Indians weren't going to be awful with all these injuries. I was, I'm surprised they're as good as they are. Steelers aren't going to be awful. Yeah, I mean, 7-9, 8-8, 9-7, and, eight and, eight, nine and seven, those are subpar seasons in Pittsburgh. Here, we celebrate them. Well, it was the first one in quite some time. You know? Yeah, um, since 2014. And, and, and that's the difference. And again, it's I used the, Indi- the Indians analogy earlier. It, it, it applies. Like, the standards just are different, whether that's fair or not, based on the individual circumstances that led to the below standard type of season, like for the Indians, it's just been, they've been decimated with injuries, but the bottom line is, is if they're not competing to win the world series every year under Terry Francona, it just, it feels like a wasted year mm-hmm. and wasted and, and missed opportunity. Um, and where the Steelers are concerned, you know, they have a system down there and this, this is, what happens when you have a stable organization. I, I laugh at Steeler fans that say, oh, fire Mike Tomlin. L- look at what the Browns have been through, though. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Tomlin's a really good football coach. I know that it's the Marty Schottenheimer thing, but Tomlin's won a Super Bowl. Schottenheimer never won a Super Bowl. Sure. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I get the, you know, you have the 11-5 and five or the, the 12 and four seasons and then you crap the bed in the playoffs whether it's the division round the the championship round or the super bowl um like Mar- you know andy Reid, same thing that's like the big thing with andy is yeah great regular season coach but then the playoffs come and he doesn't get it done now i have picked the chiefs to win the super bowl this year 
I'm counting on them to make me look really, really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that the Patriots have Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon, I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. But uh, Chiefs Patriots in your in in the AFC title game seems to be uh, all but a lock at this point. But um, the standards just are different with the with those winning organizations. Yeah, and, and, it, it's just that that's just a, and that's the level that the Browns are aspiring to get at. The fact that again that we're we're dissecting and picking apart and complaining about a twenty point victory just speaks volumes positively about how far the Browns have come. Like our expectations for them have not that, you know, it's last year. We're not sitting here saying, you know, Baker Mayfield was off the, the defense. You can't have those roughing penalties and, and, and extending the jets drives offensively for them. Or, you know, we're just like high five in the Browns for winning a game. But see, things have changed in the last year. Expectations are different. Talent is different. Roster's different. Coach is different. Quarterback, you expect to take a step forward. And so when it feels like that doesn't happen, you're like, what the hell's going on? Right. What's going on in Berea? Why are they not better than they are? I mean, I think the Jets go into next week's game with New England. I think they're they're like the Dolphins. They're like a 20-point dog. Yeah. Luke Falk. He's going to start in New England and Foxborough against Tom Brady. Good luck with that. That is a nightmare. Yeah, especially with that Patriots defense. That's they're legit. They are legit in Foxborough with that defense. Um, so so yeah, I I think that it's and this is social media and the instant reactions. A lot of people are going to get cold taked. This is my prediction in a year or six months when it's like, oh, the Miami Dolphins who haven't been good since Dan Marino, at least not consistently. Oh, they pulled a fast one on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look at that, a first round pick. That could be the first overall pick. <laughs> Stop it. Say it out loud. The Miami Dolphins pulled a fast one on the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I love the trade for Pittsburgh. Anyways, um, before we we transition here, um, one thing I want to say, and then we can talk about uh, any more Brown stuff you want to talk about, but Jalen Ramsey demands a trade, requests a trade per his agent, per multiple reports. Yeah, good for him. Great player. A player that, if you're looking to win the AFC, especially when you mentioned Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, that's the standard. I think you have to consider it. If you're any team that expects to contend in the AFC, I would have mentioned the Steelers before the Ben injury. Obviously, they added uh, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. So why not, if you're the Chiefs, inquire? I think Dallas should be interested. I think the the Browns should be interested and give a call. I think a lot of teams should be interested. Uh, Yay or nay, you cover the team. Jalen Ramsey, should John Dorsey make that call? The report is they're asking for a first-round pick. I think it goes without saying that that's what it will cost, at least starting out, is the 2020 first-round pick of the Cleveland Browns. Would you consider that? Well, I consider it. I just don't know that where they're at. I mean, I... If I'm trading for Jalen Ramsey, then I would have to, in my opinion, I'd have to move Greedy Williams or Denzel Ward in that trade. So would you do Greedy? Cause, cause, would you do Greedy Williams in a second round pick for Jalen Ramsey right now? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Blink of an eye. So he, here's the other thing that. You know, but I don't. I don't think Jacksonville would do that. Here's the other thing that it's easy to forget. Ramsey wants a new deal. He's under contract for next year, thirteen million dollars. And that, that's that fifth-year option. And, but, and, but, but he's going to want 
a new deal. And, and that's that's the difficult part now if you're the Browns. And they already have a problem with Demarius Randall. They couldn't get him extended. Okay? Mm-hmm. And Demarius is going to probably get $15 million a year next year on the open market, if not more than that. Okay? See, that's, that's the balance right now. Like, it, it's fun for us to talk about that particular scenario. Yeah, in a blink of a freaking eye, I'd trade for Jalen Ramsey. Are you kidding me? Hell yeah! But... There is the reality and the fiscal responsibility here that John Dorsey has to maintain because, again, you're going to have to pay the following. And this is, I got to get in the Miami Dolphins situation here in a second, too. But this is, you know, you're going to have to pay Baker. You're going to have to pay Miles. You're going to have to pay Denzel. Uh, you're going to have to eventually at some point pay Nick Chubb. Like, y- y- all the, th- it's a great problem to have, mm-hmm. right? But, there's going to come a point where you're, you're going to have to let good players walk away because you can't pay them, and you got to create that cycle. Sure. And and re, you got to create your own farm system per se. Okay. Uh, Demarius Randall, if you can't keep him, you better have someone that can come in and take over for him. And right now, the Browns do not have that player. Okay. So that's, I think, the problem with trading for Jalen Ramsey is, okay, they already can't keep their own guy in Demarius Randall. At least it appears right now. So why would I trade for a guy who is disgruntled where he's at? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, Jarvis had that reputation. Odell had that reputation. But I get what you're saying. Opportunity knocks, right? You're taking advantage of that. But my point is, if you can't take care of one of your guys already, why would you trade for another guy that you got to extend? And no, and that's a, a good question. My argument would be he's way better than Demarius Randall. I know we liked Demarius, and he was great right. last year, and he surprised people. Understood. But so that would be just overall talent. Here's the other thing, though: Are you willing to let Jalen Ramsey just go one on one in shadow? Because that's yeah. that's kind of he, what he likes. He doesn't like playing his own. He wants to go up. Like you play the Patriots, he in the wants playoffs. to play man. This is his biggest problem with with his defensive coordinator and why he got into that verbal altercation on the sideline. Which you know, once that happens, you, he's got to go. What once you have a scene like that on it's your hard side to of, overcome, right? He he has to go. But um, with him, he wants to play man to man. He wants to be on an island by himself. He doesn't want to be in like you were talking. He didn't want to be in zone. He wants to be in man to man. So and that and that's a big reason why he's he's so unhappy. But see, he also understands though that I mean he can play man to man, no question about it. But that see, man to man's gonna get him paid. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Man to man gets him paid. Zone probably doesn't get him paid. And not as much. Yeah, because he can't make the plays on the ball, he can't interceptions, all that right. stuff. It's much I, I want to touch on the Dolphins situation real quick. Okay. Because oh. because I know that they're Stacking all these first round oh. picks, I think I think they got I think three next year now. I think five in the next. By the drafts. way, did you see Xavier Howard's tweet last night? Yes, the Will Smith. You had no one's. Le- yeah, loved it. Where, where'd my family go? Yep. Yeah, phenomenal tweet. Um, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast, but I just want to reinforce it. Congratulations, take your victory lap. You're going to be the worst team in NFL history. You're going to be worse. Than the 0-16 Detroit Lions. You're going to be worse than the 0-16 Cleveland Browns. The Browns' point differential through two losses in 0-16 was 17 points. Mm-hmm. They were in games. People forget Yes, that. they were in games. They just sucked enough not to win any of them. 
the Dolphins don't even belong in the National Football League right now. Minus 92 point differential? Are you effing kidding me? I don't wish that on any fan base. We, we, we went through it here in Cleveland for three years of unwatchable football. I don't wish that on Dolphin fan at all. Okay? That, that's not even a competitive team down there. The Browns at least were competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, we could at least fight over Hugh Jackson being a crappy coach in decisions that he made in games that cost them the ability to win those games. You can't, you can't have that conversation in Miami right now. So collect all your draft picks that you want. But I'm telling you, it's a long way back up. And, you know, it's, this, a, it's an it, inexact science. It's, this, it's really hard to get the draft right. Their argument is, look at the Browns right now. Is that what? There's no way that's what they're saying. That's, that's I think, what they're saying oh, down there is, the is, you know, look at what the Browns did with all those draft assets and all the salary cap space. I go back to, okay, let's say you find your franchise quarterback. That's fine. Who's the Odell Beckham Jr. you trade for? Who's the Jarvis Landry you trade for? Who's the Demarius Randall that you trade for? Can you draft Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams and Miles Garrett? That's so, the hard one. Garrett. I understand. That's I'm, the, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm keeping it real. The, the, rebuild, and I'm not, and I'm not trying rebuilds to rebuild sound great until you're in one. Right. I, I'm not trying to diminish the rebuilding that John Dorsey has done. Okay. But I'm just trying to be very, very matter of fact that this is not a blueprint. This is, this is not something this, like, for instance, in the 90s, Major League Baseball, everyone was trying to copy the Cleveland Indians. Draft well, make savvy trades for those fringe, minor league, uh, upper-level minor league, slash young major league players, buy out all their arbitration years, extend them, okay? Get them f- so that when they hit superstardom, you got them for pennies on the dollar compared to what they probably should be paid. That's a formula the Indians to this day still try and follow, Okay, mm-hmm. like that's copyable. That's everyone's every, everyone can do that in baseball or try to do that in baseball. And it makes sense. And it you can replicate it. What the Browns have done as far as rebuilding this with a combination of savvy trades, taking advantage of disgruntled situations Okay, mm-hmm. and getting guys out of bad situations who are really, really good players, like that's that's not an exact science. Just you mentioned the draft too. First of all, the players have to be there in the draft. The quarterbacks got to be there. The franchise defensive ends got to be there. The franchise running backs got to be there. The franchise shutdown cornerbacks got to be there. Okay, you know what I will say though. Browns check, 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 check. Perfect storm for the Cleveland Browns there. Mm-hmm. You know what I will say. If their plan is to tank, and it's awful for the fans, especially when it's this product, and build in the draft this year, they have three firsts. I'm not talking about tanking for Tua. We talked about this. I don't think he's that good. Right. 2021, Trevor Lawrence, the Golden Locks in Miami, that feels like a perfect fit. you got to build the team now in this draft. Get linemen, get you know defensive linemen, get talent, and then when Trevor Lawrence gets there in 2021, assuming you're bad enough in both years, and they looks like they might be, it can work. 
But to your point, it is much, much harder to rebuild. I have Indians fans daily that'll tweet me and say, let's start the rebuild now. And it is the... I know, it sounds ridiculous and you're making a face. I went through a rebuild in Cincinnati. They're still kind of trying to get out of it with the Reds. I I don't mean to cut you off, but... That started in 2014. The Indians... First of all, the Indians don't need to rebuild. Secondly, they are rebuilding. Or maybe they're not rebuilding. Let me rephrase. The Indians are retooling. They're recharging. Well, they're getting younger. They're right. getting that roster younger. They're look not the, holding the, on. They're not holding on to assets that are about to depreciate. Right. And they're moving off guys, Edwin Encarnacion, who, by the way, has dealt with a bunch of injuries this year. That by they, the way, I still say that, I, I I still say they will sign Francisco Lindor. Uh, but they, we'll, we'll talk about that at some point. Now, I just don't know if the Dolans will own the team when they actually have to pay Francisco Lindor. Back to you. So when, when you say that. It's, it's one thing to do what the Indians have done, which, yeah, they did shed payroll, but they got rid of Jan Gomes for who? Jeffrey Rodriguez and Daniel Johnson, and Daniel Johnson might start in the outfield next year yep. for them at some point, right? Roberto Perez, they believed in him, and guess what? He's delivered. Like, a lot of their moves make sense. So, rebuild. What the hell are you talking about, rebuild? Look at all that young pitching. So, they don't need to rebuild. They're there anyway. They're going to have new faces, and they're going to make moves this offseason season. But the key in sports and guess what? is to the, never have to go rock bottom and rebuild. They're, they're never above 500, too. And that's what they're trying to do is do it on the fly. And with the Dolphins, they're admittedly like, hey, we got to rebuild. And honestly, if I'm Brian Flores, I, I think you got five years. You're going to be like one in 30 or two in 30 in two years. You're going to Hugh Jackson-type record. So you better hope they believe in you for that, year, that third year because that's like year one. Oh, no, you no, know, Brian, Brian, I guarantee you Brian Flores won't be the coach of that team in three years. Uh, but that's the thing is, like, like, Hugh Jackson, in hindsight, never would have came here. Because in his mind, regard, and I get there's more to it, he would have said, oh, I'm not going to have the talent to win, so I'm not going to go in that situation. I thought we were going to get a quarterback sooner. I thought we were gonna, That's what he would say. Yep. And that's what Brian Flores is going to say if he's fired after 2-30. and 30. And that's around the record. And he will I, be. And that's the record I project. It's not out. an if he will be. No, he will be fine. Two and 30 is where I project the they, Dolphins. And they, that, that feels generous at this stage. If I, if I remember correctly, I think the Dolphins have had as many head coaches as the Browns have had since 99. And they have, I think it's since 2002, they've had as many starting quarterbacks as the Browns do. It's wild. Wild. And now we look at both situations. Completely different. By the way, the Browns are on the rise. Guess what else? And the Miami Dolphins are doing the demon drop straight down the elevator. Can we talk about the big win yesterday? The big win? Yeah. There was a big win? Yeah, as in the the like the biggest takeaway, the MVP of the game. Do you know what it is? Daryl, I will... Uh... The M- Well, I gave my game balls out. Is it one of my six game ball winners? Did Austin Seibert get a game ball? Yes. That's right. Then, yes. Three for three, baby. They got a kicker. He's five for five how, on kicks. Three for three. How can, I not give the, how can I not give the leading scorer on the team a game ball? He had 11 points ooh, last ooh, night. Ooh. And you guys are worried about Austin Seibert. Man. I was peeing down my leg about you, you Austin Seibert. You guys are questioning Worry. Austin Seibert. Did, did John Dorsey draft him? He did. All right. He's going to be good. Okay. Unless you went to Nevada. <laughs> or play offensive line. That's right. No one can get offensive line right in this league. Good God. John Dorsey. No one knows how to draft finding them. quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, defensive backs. Kickers. Can't, 
cannot find offensive linemen to yeah. save his life. Three for three. Did you notice last night they gluing a tight end to Chris Hubbard all night? Well, I thought they overpaid Chris Hubbard from the get-go. Yeah, they did. Um, uh, but, he was but, a backup but, for the Steelers, and the Browns paid him starting. And he had a pretty good year for the Steelers. I know. And showed he could play some tackle, be like a swing tackle. But he's really a guard. And now you're relying on him to be like the man at tackle. It's just a lot. So, no. And, and here's the other thing. I'll pass on the Jalen Ramsey deal. Can we get a Trent Williams? Can, can we get that deal done? I'll do a first right now for Trent Williams. Jalen Ramsey, I'm fine with Greedy being the number two and all that. Trent Williams. Find a way to get it done, John Dorsey. You still want Trent Williams. Oh, yeah. And this I team, keep... they're going to go into Foxborough and win with that offensive line? Zero no. chance. No. Literally zero right now. I, I don't care what Miles does. I don't care I'll... what Baker and Odell do. They cannot beat the Patriots with that line. That's the standard. I hear you. Go get him. He's got to pass a physical. So that's the, the only question mark to me is the medicals. As long as he can pass a physical and he's healthy and they check all those boxes he's worth a first pick round pick i'd give up a one and a three for him i'd give up a lot he changes everything then greg robinson is either moving to the right side and you put hubbard at guard which you could do and you suddenly you're suddenly much better on the line. i just think it's too hard midseason to shuffle your line like that ask the patriots They've had like four injuries. They brought new offensive linemen in. Oh. Cincinnati University of Cincinnati alum Corey Cunningham out there stop starting making, for the Pats. You've never even heard of Corey Cunningham. St- stop making valid points, will you? I'm just saying. All right. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm James Erpine. We're going to have a ton on the website all week long at 923thefan.com. Obviously, the Browns gearing up six days. Heck, five days. Is it five? Five days. They they are off. They will be off Tuesday. They'll practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Walk through Saturday. Sunday night football. All right, Sunday night football. Going up against the a big Indians Nationals national game. Um, Is it national? No, it's Phillies. Indians Phillies on Sunday night. I I hated that they moved that, but you know whatever. Thanks ESPN. Um, But no, it'll be all right. They're going head to head. So either way, look if you're looking for tribe coverage. If you're looking for Browns coverage, if you're looking for Cavs coverage with Cavs right around the corner, there's one spot. 923thefan.com. My suggestion for you Sunday night, if you're not attending either one of those games, three words, picture in picture. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. And the thing is, is the way baseball goes, you might know by the time the football game comes on who's going to win, and you could just follow it on your phone. And then if it gets good again, flip it back. That's what I would do. Or go, go to Progressive Field for the first three innings and then walk down to the so, stadium you, for the... You could have you could get a good five, six innings in. I think it'll be towards the latter part of the game. Not I'm in hoping. today's game. You can't. God, I'm hoping. I don't, I don't want to be like covering the Indians at 11 at night when the Browns are on. Well, the good news for you Can is I we play that? opposite sides of town. Oh, yeah. I live closer to the Browns stadium, so... Anyways, all right. He's Dale Ryder. I'm James Rapine. Make sure you subscribe. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher as we're making our plans for Sunday. Um, just make sure you're following us and, and keeping track of everything as the tribe try to make a playoff push in the Browns, try to beat the NFC champions on Sunday night football. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back at it next week right here on 92.3 The Fan and 923thefan.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.